So Eric, I know you've got a puppy under the desk. If puppy goes nuts at any moment in time, just know we'll keep rolling because I bet you people listening and I don't know, just about all of us, wait. They're tuning in for the puppy and not for me. <laughs> not for the two of us, Adam. Not, not, to, not to hear <laughs> us talk, but for the puppy. Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> And you know what, Erica, like this is a good example of how life is is really unfolding as we're doing more and more from, you know, virtually those that are fortunate enough to do that, whether it's someone at the door, kids coming home, or maybe you've got a project or a neighbor, who knows, life is unfolding. So anyway, before I drift into it, um, Erica, first of all, just want to kick off by saying I hugely appreciate you jumping on. Today, we're going to take on a a big question. How do we consumerize performance management? And um, I'd like to give context to our audience, a couple minutes. But before I do, I was really reflecting on our discussions. I think this is our third or maybe fourth over a couple months. And you and I met just at that moment when consumerization of the employee experience kind of entered our world. And I said, hey, Erica, check this out. And you said, whoa. And I saw your eyes light up. So my question really isn't about consumerization, but when your eyes lit up, I could see the passion, you know, I, and I know that the journey that you've been on. So I'm just curious, kind of what, what drives you? What keeps the fire going? Because not everyone that I talk to still has that fire. I think they did, and it faded with reality. What drives you? That's a great question. The, the short answer is uh, people. And I would say um, the consumerization of people initiatives is part of a broader umbrella, a part of, part of a broader trend of HR uh, transforming itself from a compliance-based uh, function into a fully-fledged strategic function that really puts the employee at the center of everything. And to be honest, that's the reason why I pivoted my career from the world of management consulting and corporate strategy Um, and pivoted towards uh, the people function because I saw that trend. And for sure, now, you know, I I love how you you are putting a name to it and and we're sort of um, detailing exactly what that trend means in practice, but kind of had, you know, that gut feeling that that function had so much potential and it was going in the right direction. And so that's, that's the spark that you saw in my eyes and that's the passion that drives me today. I'm sure it will resonate with a number of our audience that have seen the same. Once you're exposed to the people challenges in the organization, like really exposed to the current state and even get a little, a little drift of what's possible, you can't unsee it. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy or fast. We can testify to that. It's going to be a journey. Um, But let me give a little context. We're now in season two. Right. In season two, one of our core anchor topics is how do we consumerize the employee experience? And the discussions are going, in some cases, all over the place. In some, they're starting to find some uh, foundation or some roadmap. And the simplest way I've been able to explain the roadmap is there are two dots. On one side is the data dot. And then all the way on the other side is a nudge. The jury is out. If you're not thinking about nudges for how you communicate with your audiences, we're not saying the only way is a nudge. We're not saying nudge is the solution to all your problems, but it is part of communication similar to what happens in the world of consumers. As customers, we experience the world and brands in many ways as nudges. Now, when we think about consumerization of the employee experience, it's time to start to double click. What is an employee experience? Right? 
in, in some ways that it's everything. Every touch point between you, whether it's when you were recruited, your first day, everything, all of it. Now, how do we take all of it, everything, and start to give it structure? Well, what is the employee journey? Uh, we understand there is an aspect when you're a candidate, then you're onboarding. With Erica, we picked an interesting topic that is obviously a huge part of the journey, which is performance management, right? And in broadest terms, performance management used to be what, once a year, you know, a grueling dental appointment, uh, don't mind dentists these days, but like in general, it's, it's a difficult process. The managers would have to pause their lives, per personal, professional, what did they do? The individual wouldn't sleep, the individual contributor for a couple of days until that moment. It was weird. We all recovered from it. That's not the future. So Erica, how do we consumerize performance management? What are we trying to accomplish with it? I, I love how you, you compare it to a dentist appointment. And I think, you know, there's a lot of truth in, 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 in what you said in the sense that performance management historically, and even today, at least what I, what I feel is, is one of the scariest processes, one of the most even disliked, to be honest, because it's hard because it takes, you know, um, it takes some sometimes uh, some uncomfortable truth to be shared. It's not something that comes natural. Uh, it takes time. And, and on top of everything, the way that it's delivered today, exactly as you said, it's not exactly ideal. And so why to change it? Uh, well, I think, you know, there, there are a lot of areas of improvement. And I don't know if you hear my puppy, but he's starting to <laughs> He's agreeing with what we're saying. <laughs> Perfect. If puppy agrees, we're on the right track. Exactly. We're on the right track. Um, and so it, it's what are we? So to your question, what are we trying to achieve? We're really trying to make this process better. We're really trying to make this process better for employees and ultimately for the company, because aligning the um, experience, uh, you know, improving the, the experience, aligning the incentives, um, and, you know, makes this process better, not only for the individual contributor, for the people manager, but ultimately for the company. And so we're trying to link performance management to business outcomes at the end of the day. And by improving the uh, employee um, experience, we can, uh, you know, we can improve the performance overall in a couple of different ways. The first one is, is directly, uh, of course, you know, pe people uh, management when it comes to performance management, it's possibly uh, most intuitively linked with the company performance, right? You improve that process. Uh, you uh, you you improve the the employee performance. Uh, you improve the performance of the company. But there is also an indirect link, which is if you improve the process, and I think it's a lot of what we're trying to say. You make the experience better for for the person, for the manager, and those people are going to be more engaged. They're going to be uh, happier. Uh, their experience it's going to be front and center. And we know that there is a clear link between higher engagement, higher performance and, you know, increased business results. And so um, both the direct and the indi indirect link are, are both viable uh, ways in which, you know, what I'm trying to say is if you if you go down that route, you're going to improve the business outcome at the end of the day. And I think there is also a spillover effect in that if you 
um, you know, once you fix the backbone of HR, at least what I, I like to refer, you know, uh, when I when I think of a performance management, I, I like to think of it as a as a backbone of HR. You're ultimately having also spillover effect on other processes, right? Because you have more clarity on okay, who are you know what I'm rewarding, what's the type of performance uh, and employee behaviors that I want to incentivize. Uh, I have better clarity on that. I can, for example, uh, recruit uh, in a better way because of that understanding. Um, and so there is a lot of there. There are many different virtuous um, cycle that can uh, store um, on top of just improving the performance and ultimately business outcomes. And, and let's connect that dot. We, we're talking about consumerization of the employee experience. To what end? It's important for us to say it's the pressure to consumerize in order to improve business outcomes. That 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 must be said at the offset. So thank you. That that's where we need to begin. Then we're saying within that it's the performance management is the step in the journey. Cool. Within that, the audience are managers, right? We're not we're right now because the managers is who receive the bulk of the challenges that are that are ahead uh, for how to how to improve it. So so let's let's play this. You and I talked about this as a movie. Like let's 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 play this movie forward. What does the future performance management look like? And, and we have no constraints. Let, we're not talking about technology limitations, budget limitations, you know, resource mindshare. What, what does it look like? Yeah, I, I think there are two characteristics that essentially define the future of performance management. The first one is it's going to be always on. It's going to be a, a system that consistently listens uh, for actions and proactively gathers feedback, uh, nudge people managers to take some actions, alert them or suggest next steps. And so it's it's going to be always on. There's not going to be a moment like a specific moment in the calendar year where we're going to officially do performance management. It's going to be always on. And the second aspect is that it's going to be highly customizable uh, to the point to your point earlier around like putting the employee experience at the center, well, there is not a one size fits all, right? Different people managers will have different preferences, different employees will have different preferences. And so it's going to be highly customizable. And uh, as a consequence, it will automatically adapt to the preference of the of the end user. Now, we also spoke about uh, maybe sharing a couple of examples, right, to, to bring this to, to life. And so I, I thought of a couple of examples. One, when, when, the perform- when you know, th- there is actually a, um, a positive situation, so it's like relatively easy, right, the, the employee is performing well and, and how to manage that. And, and the second one is, well, maybe it's the, there are some challenges and so how, how this system can, can help. In the first example, just to bring to life the always on and the highly customizable aspects of the performance management, let's say that, you know, um, as a people manager, I, uh, I'm, I have a person on my team, let's call her Emily, and she, she's great. And I, you know, she just reached an important uh, project milestone. Uh, let's say that she just gave an important presentation as part of the project that she's working on. Now, automatically, uh, the system, performance management system will trigger a notification to me as the people manager that will say, hey, Emily just reached this milestone. And by the way, uh, automatically, I've sent uh, nudges for gather feedback to all the relevant stakeholders who were part of the project in that presentation. 
And so as a manager, you know, I already see that, that feedback being gathered. I already see what are the elements of strengths, what, what went well. And in this case, let's imagine that Emily did a great job. And uh, with, this, with this idea of pulse checks and micro feedback, as a manager, I am able to get, uh, you know, always fresh picture of what's going on. And I can also share this feedback uh, with the employee. And again, this, the, the customization comes into play. Knowing Emily's preference, knowing my preference as a manager, the uh, system will automatically suggest me what to do, how to share that feedback. Maybe it's going to even craft uh, a short text if that's the preference in terms of how the other uh, person wants to be nudged. Um, or it will suggest me to set up a meeting and you know, automatically schedule it, maybe just with a, with a click on, on my phone. And so in this way, we will always have very uh, fresh and relevant insights in a way where as a, as a manager, I don't even have to, <laughs> I don't even have to worry to go out and gather or, you know, is it the right moment? Who do I need to connect with? The system will do everything because it will listen to relevant milestone and will know what's going on. I see you nodding. <laughs> I'm flipping out. I'm fl I could do cartwheels if I didn't have the headset on because, you know, you really, when we think about uh, abandoning the annual performance management for a manager, on one hand side, we removed a lot of stress. Cool. But on the other, like now do it ongoing. What's my workflow? It's kind of like saying do accounting and finance ongoing, but there isn't a system. There isn't a process to empower you, to enable you. And you're saying, hold up. There is a moment of opportunity. Project is over. Recognition, feedback, right? What what is possible? But for a manager to execute on these steps, look. What, first, they need to keep track. The project is over. Then enter to do on their list of many to dos, and they have a number of folks that are reporting to them. Go solicit feedback. Whoo! Like that's that's a process. Then go take that feedback, bring it together, notify the person, schedule five steps, ten steps, twenty steps from the time the project is over until you provide that feedback. That is an entire task list for that manager to take on. So I, Erica, absolutely love that. So let's rewind a bit. How do we how do we think about this process? You and I really connected around the idea of thinking from a product perspective thinking about performance management as a product, and these are our users. So walk us through, how do we do this? Right, so, you know, it, it's really about putting the employees to the center, and there are different ways in which you, you would do that. Exactly, you know, learning from uh, the, the products, the consumer world. And so the first thing is exactly looking at what performance management means in the world of, uh, you know, consumers and, and learn from, from that. And so as an example, you know, I, you know, spend maybe a long weekend um, at a Airbnb and then I, I get on an Uber or Lyft to go to the airport and I, you know, I come back home and, you know, it's, it's late at night and, and I just, you know, uh, order from DoorDash and dinner at home. And those are all examples um, that have in common one thing uh, that is after each interaction, there's a quick pulse check. There's a quick feedback, which, you know, that's performance management, right? <laughs> I, you know, I'm giving stars, I'm giving, I'm, you know, pushing buttons on like, what are the relevant, what are the relevant dimensions that went well, or maybe didn't, didn't go as well in all those interactions is super quick. It's in the moment. And now imagine if, you know, at the end of the year, I'm getting a request from Airbnb 
from Uber, from DoorDash, and they're asking me, hey, would you mind like rating all the different stays, all the different drivers, you know, all the different delivery people you, you've been, <laughs> uh, you interacted with? Like, whoa, <laughs> like, I've, I wouldn't even know where to start. And for sure, there is, there is a recency bias, right, that would come into place. Like there's a sense of over, overwhelm, which is what you said in terms of, wow, that's, you know, from a, from a people manager perspective, that's crazy. And um, but there's also recency bias, like how good my feedback is going to be in reality. Right. It's not going to be that great. It's not going to be that accurate. And so now this is, of course, a bit of a stretch. And you know where I'm going in terms of comparing this with with what we do in companies. But it is just to say it is a little bit crazy what we do right now uh, compared to what we ask consumers uh, to do, which is much more light and intuitive. And so. The first thing is like, look, you know, learn from the, you know, what performance management uh, means and how it's adopted uh, in the consumer world. The second thing is it's really thinking at performance management as a product. And so do the things that you would do uh, when developing a product. Right. So right now there is a there is a, a push approach like I have this process and everyone must use it. But let's switch the mindset and, and move to a pool approach. Let's make it employee centric, focus on the employee experience. What do I need to do? How do I need to shape this experience so that people will want to use it, will, go, will want to go through this, this process? And so solicit feedback, you know, test and learn, have an agile approach the same way that you would do when developing a product. Um, the, third, the third element that I want to share is the concept of personas, which I'm sure we're all uh, familiar with when we uh, think about consumers, right? You segment and, you know, we know that there is not a one size fits all. But when it comes to HR processes, uh, that's not such a widespread concept. And so why don't we use those as well when uh, delivering this, uh, this, the, the process of performance management? Let's understand, let's map our, our, our employees. Let's understand what differentiates them, what different cohorts may like or dislike. And, you know, going back to my example, like, does Emily prefer to meet in person very, very often or she rather re- likes to receive, you know, uh, texts uh, and, and that's, that's good enough for her, for her and that's the best way for her to learn. So employee experience is number one and, and, and by segmenting and, and delivering, you know, a slightly different experience, uh, we can we can achieve better results. And, and the last the last aspect is really increasing the focus on the experience thanks to technology and thanks to um, really developing people managers in, in that way. And I know it's, it's hard, but again, technology does come into 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 um, this come in handy in this uh, in this in this sense because technology that it's always on that continuously nudges uh, you know with how-to videos or whatever templates that are uh, customizable like it really helps um, the people manager really deliver the experience so they don't have to start uh, from scratch. Reflecting on a couple things, and I want to double click on, on one, but first, just a quick reflection. You really nailed it for me when you said, hey, if at the end of the year, Uber, Airbnb was like, hey, you know, remember nine months ago, you had that ride when you visited Vegas. Uh, how was that driver? How was that experience, right? I mean, impossible. 
And, and, and arguably, you are going to, there's all kinds of biases introduced when you do it once a year or you do it, you know, in increments. You, you, you're biased by the most recent experiences you've had too. And then the other thing, when we talk about knowledge and how it can, uh, uh, technology and, and how that could enable the nudges, you really think about how busy managers are. And that example that you gave with the recognition for a finished project, uh, the next serious questions could be, well, when do you deliver the nudge to them? Maybe it isn't when the project is over. Maybe you wait for when they have time. Maybe you put on a calendar for them to take a moment to reflect on these things. And then when we talk about personas, really by looking at data, you can now segment further, further, and, and deeper. You can look at it as managers or managers within a certain function or managers working from home or remotely uh, or an office or hybrid. But then is it high-performing managers versus low-performing managers? Do you want to ask a low-performing manager to recognize good work and solicit feedback? Hmm, don't know. Not saying yes or no. But maybe there's a different process or a different nudge where you say, hey, the way to do this. So first you have sent a nudge on how to remind them on what the process is, how to give this kind of feedback, or maybe the importance of recognition the importance of, of recognition of, of good work by your team members and what it does to influence their performance. Just fascinating. My, my mind just goes straight into, you know, what are all the possible ways how we can improve that, that performance. But I think in the broad strokes, it'd be really interesting to think about characteristics of the future of performance management, kind of in the, in the way we're talking about it as a product, right? What are the big things that the folks that are listening to that are scratching their heads and saying, you know what, I think I want to I think I want to really consider this. How would you put into big buckets for them to think about this new state? The first one that I would start with, and maybe just just because it's the the, the fresh and I already I already mentioned it, it's the, the, the being powered by technology. Like really, technology will help uh, with this ongoing in the moment. You know, listening, feedback, nudges to you know also increase insights. Um, it, technology will help. Uh, de-bias uh, the process, make it not just based on recency bias, but really all-encompassing. And we'll also enable that customization, right, that we were talking about so that it's as seamless as possible from the perspective of the end user and, and easy to use. The second bucket is it's going to be holistic. And this has to do a lot with uh, shifting dynamics, shifting expectations, uh, it's not, we're not working and living in a world where we only care about the quota being, you know, hit the, you know, the number being met, but we really look at 360. Is this employee, uh, you know, you, developing the right soft skills? Is this employee, um, you know, not burning out and maintaining well-being? So what I'm trying to say is that it's going to be holistic in that it will, there will be uh, not just an individual work component, but also a personal component. And I'll share more than that. The more another trend that we're seeing is work becoming more and more project-based and team-based. And so there's going to be also a team component, right? And so it's going to be layered. It's going to be holistic in that sense. And the third bucket is the the third bucket is it's going to be based on uh, skills. We are seeing uh, what what are being called like butterfly careers as a you know as a as a new trend compared to more linear careers where you would you know stay in the same line of business for for a long time, and we're seeing you know this idea of a talent marketplace that will 
will replace right the, the way of doing uh, doing business, which which is really much in line with what I was mentioning about the, the project based approach to work. And so um, the feedback, the coaching, the insights will be a lot about skills, skills that are transferable and that uh, really enable not just to get to, you know, from manager to senior manager, but to maybe one line of business to another in a way where transferable skills will, will really be the way to build this butterfly careers. That level of workplace agility, when we stop thinking about it even linear in a function, but cross-functional with almost no limitations to what's possible, how do we enable our managers to be able to deal with that? in the performance management structure that is looking after the best interest of the organization, right? And the outcomes of the organization. Erica, as, as I mean, fascinating, just fa fascinating topic. Where I'd like to go next is a question that is just a, a, a real mess. So I'm not looking for you to, to have the answer. I, I know it's messy. When we think about this consumerization of the performance management, and we think about uh, what function should I don't want to say the word own it anymore. What functions should partner for this reality, this future to be manifested? Do we, is this a HR plus technology plus communications or marketing? Because nudges are now really, how do you write the nudges? How do you make them relevant and timely reminders, right? We're entering a, a whole new world when we're moving from performance management to this world of, of the future, you know, before we just discussed, I mean, it's not going to be simple, right? It makes sense. But how do we do it? Who, who should be involved? I think all the names that you mentioned uh, make sense. Uh, so those are the ones that would, would come in mind as well. Uh, for sure, the people function, given um, the, the process itself, the, the tech function in terms of enabling uh, comms marketing in terms of, you know, think, you know, helping, right? There's a lot that HR can, can learn from, from marketing in that sense, like some of the concept that we talked about, right? And so learning how to better segment, uh, how to write the nudges, like how to make them compelling. But I would also say it's really also a partnership with, with the business more broadly because what I, what I see, at least from a HR perspective, is one of the biggest challenges of performance management is, is seen as a check the box, right? It's seen as a, oh, we must do it because HR asks us to do it, essentially. Now, I'm, of course, I'm getting a bit of an extreme here, but that's, that's a little bit more the cynical view, right? But what if we, you know, going back to maybe the first question that you asked me in terms of like why we're doing this, how to make this relevant, it's really partnering with the business and really looking for the business outcomes that this improved process will, uh, will produce. Um, and so in that way, uh, having that strong partnership, this process is not going to be, oh, it's, it's a nature process, but it's really going to be, it's, it's a company-wide process. We're all, all in this. We're all in this together. Uh, it makes sense from a business perspective. It's the right thing to do, you know, not just by our employees, but also by the company. And, and so we, we see the point in doing this and we see the value. That's awesome. You didn't even take a pause. That one was, wasn't a hard one for you. Well, let's see if the following, if I can, if I can elevate the difficulty of the question. So, so, so the folks that are listening, you know, I, I refer to them as agents of change. They're on this journey 
they see it, they're inspired by it, like you said in the beginning of our discussion, right? Why, why do you have the light in, in, in your eyes and, and the spark? It's because you, you see the opportunity to do some good. It will have broad impact. And these agents of change are in various functional areas that are looking at this conversation. We've got marketing, operations, technology, and we said this will need to be a broad stakeholder group that's going to need to come together. Here's the next thing that I've been scratching my head over. If I was to give advice to agents of change on how do you know who are the right folks that will get it, that are, that are going to be good partners to you, not just based on their function, but on their mindset. Because in, I think in a lot of, ma especially larger enterprises, there are some folks in their positions, not because they're the most inspiring. And as a result, this is not the type of initiative that they would, you know, until it matures a bit. So early adapters, what would be, what would be some of the characteristics that we can think about of what makes a good potential internal stakeholder that would, that would join this early on? That is a hard question, Adam. Yes, there it is. We got one. We got a difficult one. No, all of these are, are very difficult. This one is, oh God, uh, it, it is, it's very challenging. I, I, so a couple of ideas that come to mind. The first one is there might be some part of the business where, you know, there is a naturally people, uh, you know, go there because of a certain mindset, of a certain skill set, of a certain approach. And so those will pro probably be the most cutting edge uh, part of your company where, uh, you know, going back to what we're saying about, you know, the agile approach, test and learn. Um, so maybe going in, you know, those teams in your product organization in your in your tech organization, uh, wherever they may sit, where already they have that mentality. And so probably they're going to be more open to try and experiment and, and actually be very excited to apply, uh, you know, certain insights into a different uh, area of the business compared to what they usually do. That would be one. Uh, the second thing, well, this is more something that I, that I, that I do is inquiring and listening. So really maybe asking the question and, and listen to the response. I find that a lot of the time I learn more from what it's not said rather than what it is said, right? And so it, to, to your point, there might be people in position of, of power, but maybe, you know, when asked about, hey, so how do you think, how would, what are your priority? What's top of mind? Where do you feel we should shift uh, and evolve things? listen to what they're saying, but also what they're not saying, right? And so in that sense, you can infer their, a little bit of their mindset and their propensity to risk and, and, and test and learn and, 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 and really introduce some novelty into, for example, the performance management process, but not only that, of course. Those are a couple of ideas. And, and you know, in general, my advice would be if, you know, once you try to identify those and if you want to maybe bring along people who may be on the fence is start small Let's try to do a bit of a pilot gather the data build a business case for what why what you have right now it's not working test it maybe you have a manager or like a um, head of a division who is willing to pilot something different for the upcoming you know for whatever uh, the upcoming quarter and try to share early findings. And, and, and so that would be 
a good way to start bringing people along in the journey, even if maybe the first time you talk to them, they're not super excited. But the second one, if you have a little bit more data, a little bit of a pilot of track record, they, you know, they were on the fence and now they're, they're on your side. So step by step, uh, that would be also my advice. Awesome. And in many ways, this resembles how we would think about a launch of a product. Like it's, a, it's a find early adapters. Yes. Create a pilot that you can learn and build a build a case for it. Um, and the early adapters inside organizations are going to be based on, you know, do they are they open minded? Do they have a, a burning platform that they need to solve? Like the problem big enough that deserves the lift. Erica, this has been an awesome, awesome. I think we could do this for hours, no doubt, for days. There's so much to discuss, but uh, I appreciate you jumping on. I appreciate the time, the brilliance, and uh, for you being a part of this movement. I look forward to our next chat. Thank you. I'm very excited and looking forward to our next chat as well. Wonderful. Over now, Erica. Take care. Bye.